Hear these words from Acts 9, 26 through 30. When Saul had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles, and described for them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. So when he went in and out among them in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord, he spoke and he argued with the Hellenists, but they were attempting to kill him. When the brothers and sisters learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. This is the word of God for the people of God. It was a joy to be here with you all this morning. I want to give a special thanks to Andrea for serving as our liturgist today and for, to Dawn and Bonnie and the choir for that wonderful anthem. And that, that word is so in line with our sermon of let this be our song, no one stands alone. <laughs> so we're in a series on the book of Acts right now, which is looking at the early church and what are these people called Christians doing following Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. <clears throat> and what they're doing is they're following this thing called the Holy Spirit that is inviting them to do new things. The, we heard a few weeks ago that it led Philip to baptize the Ethiopian eunuch on the road, who was someone that normally would have been well outside of the definition of wholeness in the church. And then we heard from Andrew last week when he told us about Peter's vision of God sanctifying all these animals that were originally unclean, saying, they're clean now. And then Cornelius, this Gentile, comes and asks to be baptized and is and joins the life of this church. And slowly, the church has been expanding to include more of these people called Gentiles, these non-Jewish Greek people. And all of that is about to speed up exponentially with the introduction of two characters. One that you've probably heard of, Saul or Paul, he's kind of a big deal. And one you probably haven't heard of, his name is Barnabas. And that second lesser known character is the hero of our scripture reading today. The one who courageously chooses to stand with Paul, saying no one stands alone. Yes, the Spirit is about to do some new things. But speaking of new things, I have an exciting announcement. We here at Noon and First, United Methodist Church, are about to film and produce our very first full-length feature film. Get this, it'll only cost several million dollars. And I know what you're thinking, Connor. That sounds like a huge waste of money. Bad stewardship, I hear you. But wait till you hear the pitch for this movie, okay? So the film is going to be an action movie. It's going to be in the buddy cop genre. Has anyone ever seen a buddy cop style film? A show of hands? Okay, a few of you out there. There's probably more of you than you think. These are films where two very different people are thrown together and they have to accomplish a mission and there's a lot of pull, push and pull between them. Think of Sherlock Holmes with Sherlock and Watson or 21 Jump Street, Lethal Weapon, Men in Black. It's going to be like one of those. 
And the movies are fun because of this tension and the character growth that happens. And typically, there's always a bad cop and a good cop, right? And the bad cop is somebody with a checkered past. He isn't well-liked, often prioritizes results at the expense of people. The bad cop says, if people get hurt along the way, well, that's the job, baby. That's the bad cop. And then there's always the good cop, someone who's more level-headed, knows the rules and cares for others, is able to de-escalate situations when needed, and they're usually older or wiser than the bad cop, trying to guide them as they move toward their goal. Now, we're still in the planning phase for this movie, uh, but we're putting together a buddy cop movie about Barnabas and Paul, okay? And we're thinking about calling it Paul and Barnabas, Disciples of Danger, or Paul and Barney, the big Greek gamble. So our creative team is on it. Shelly's on it over there. She doesn't know about this project yet, but she's on it. And uh, Andrew still has to approve it, but I think it's going to be a shoe-in. Well, the bad cop of our story today is a guy named Saul. And you'll hear me use those words kind of interchangeably because they're the same person, Saul and Paul. But Paul is the person who wrote half the New Testament. Paul is known as the apostle to the Gentiles. He's arguably the biggest name in early Christianity short of Jesus Christ himself. Paul is a big deal. But before any of that, he's Saul. He isn't yet known as Paul. He's known as this person, Saul, and nobody trusts or likes Saul. Why? Well, remember, he's our bad cop. He's got a checkered past. You see, Saul grew up as a devout Jewish man. He had been schooled by the greatest Jewish teachers, was an expert in the law, and was what some people called passionate and what others would call fanatical. Saul was angry at this new group of Jewish people who were following what he saw as wayward teachings of a madman named Jesus. In Saul's eyes, Jesus had claimed to be the son of God, but Jesus was just another person in a long list of people who said that they were the Messiah, but actually wasn't. And so Saul hated this group of Jesus followers, and Saul did some terrible things to them. He reported Christians to the police whenever he saw them. He went and got special permission from the temple to bind them up and chase them out of town any chance he could. And at his worst, he even called for Christians to be tortured or stood by and watched as they were stoned to death. Saul is ruthless. And so it's all the more surprising when the opening scene of our movie today, and this is earlier in that chapter of Acts, Acts, Acts chapter 9, Saul has this dramatic encounter with the risen Jesus. He is walking on the road to Damascus, and it says that he is seething with anger and hatred, and he is on his way to get more permission to bind up and chase out these people called Christians, when suddenly there's this blinding light, and Jesus appears to Saul and speaks to him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And because of this experience, Saul has a complete 180 in his life. He repents and he realizes he has been going all in this direction and now he is going to go all in for Jesus. He's excited and a fire has been lit in his life. And so Saul, this bad cop of our duo, he shows up at Jerusalem, which is kind of the home base of this early Christian movement. 
And he tells these apostles that he's changed and that he's excited to join in with what they're doing and so excited about what the Holy Spirit is going to do in all their lives. And what do you think that these apostles say? Yeah, nice try, Saul. (laughs) But we know you. You've played your hand, they say. You've shown your true colors and you are not to be trusted. And y'all, the crazy thing is that's where it could have ended. That is where Saul could have ended. Paul. He had this fire lit in his life and it could have been snuffed out in that moment. I mean, he is so excited to join in with what the apostles and what the Holy Spirit are doing. But if you approach Peter and James and John and Matthew and Mark and they say no, (laughs) I mean, where do you go from there? That's it. But luckily for us, that's where the other side of our dynamic duo comes in. The hero of our scripture reading today is a man named Barnabas, and he's the good cop in our film that we're making. And listen to how good of a good cop this guy is for our story. Now, first of all, Barnabas isn't even his real name. It's a nickname that means son of encouragement because everybody that encounters Barnabas is just struck by how much he loves them and believes in them and sees the best in them. He's mentioned one time earlier in the book of Acts when They talk about the early church and how these early Christians held everything in common. What they're saying is that everyone shared everything they had. Are you in a bind and you need a place to stay for a few days? We got a guest bedroom. Just stay. Stay for a week if you need to. You need to go into town and bring your goods to sell them. We have a cart and a mule. Borrow them for the day and bring them back. But Barnabas went above and beyond all of that. Barnabas literally sold everything that he owned, his land, his possessions, and gave it all to the church. Everyone knew Barnabas was someone filled with the Holy Spirit who had a heart that was truly all in for Jesus, and he had the receipts to prove it. Barnabas is all around just a good man, someone who believes in what the church is doing and sees the best in everyone that he meets. And so right after, in our film, the next scene after this Saul's conversion experience is going to be him at this council, and he gets turned away by the apostles. But just as he's walking to leave the room, it cuts to Barnabas, and he, he feels this tug from the Holy Spirit. And he, he has one of those moments, maybe you've had one before, where he starts going, oh, no, <laughs> what am I about to do? And right before Saul reaches the door, Barnabas steps out in front of everyone and says, wait! And there's this shocked silence as Barnabas walks over and you can just hear his footsteps echo in the room. And he walks up and locks eyes with Saul and he measures them and then he says, I believe him. He's telling the truth. (laughs) And everyone in the room gasps and murmurs and an argument breaks out. Can we trust him? I mean, this is Saul we're talking about. Are you serious? But Barnabas trusts him. I trust Barnabas with my life. What does this mean? What is Peter going to say? And at this point in the movie, we're going to have to take some artistic liberties and leave the book a little bit. I know we all hate when movies do that, but we're going to have to do it here. And we're going to have to cast Peter into the role of the grumpy police chief in our buddy cop movie. There's no way around it. I know. And so I imagine, and just to be clear, this is extra biblical imagination here, but I imagine that Peter was the one that stood up and said, all right, everybody calm down, calm down. 
And then he sighs and he says, all right, you know what? Because Barnabas stuck his neck out for you, Saul, you can go and spread the good news. You can be a part of what we are doing here. But, but know this, Saul, you're on thin ice. <laughs> Just like that, Saul's trajectory in his faith journey is completely changed because one good man, Barnabas, chose to enter into his story and walk with him during a completely upside-down part in his life. Because someone listened to him, was curious, and believed him, and was willing to journey with him. I think we all have those moments. Moments when we need someone else to come into our faith journey. Moments when we are upside down and full of pain or doubt. Where God often speaks through another who chooses to join us in that place and walks with us and sets us in a new trajectory. I have many people like that in my life, but one that comes to mind is a pastor of mine when I was about 12 years old, and I started to have serious questions about my faith in the Bible, and one of those serious questions was, if we look at the creation story, it says the world was made in seven days, but then why are there dinosaur bones? These things are millions of years old. How can both of these things be true? And this really bothered me, and I brought it up in a Sunday school class, and my Sunday school teacher was a wonderful lady, and she really shaped me to be a better person and showed me Christ in many ways. But the answer that she gave me to this question was not particularly helpful. Um, I asked her this question about dinosaur bones, and she responded by saying, well, God works in mysterious ways, and don't question God. <laughs> Which I took to mean, I'm not, I don't know the answer to your question. But it also bothered me because I felt like I couldn't bring my full self to church anymore. I felt like I had to leave these hard questions at the door and put on a mask where everything was hunky-dory and I could worship and go through the motions and then when I left, I'd take off the mask again and pick up those questions as I left. And it really just didn't sit right with me and I had this fire that had been lit in my life that started to grow dimmer and dimmer until finally it was just an ember and it was about to go out. I was wondering, why am I here? Why is anyone here if nobody can ask these hard questions? And so I decided to just kind of pull a Hail Mary. It was the last chance, and um, my pastor, she had just preached a sermon, and she went back to her office after shaking everyone's hand, and I kind of just ambushed her in there, and I had intended to give this this long monologue about my faith and everything, but I ended up just breaking down in tears and snot and telling her that I didn't, I didn't know what was wrong with me. I had these questions, and I couldn't just leave them at the door. I couldn't not bring my whole self to God, and I didn't feel like God wanted me to do that, and if that's what the church was asking me to do, then I'm out. And I remember she smiled at me, and she laughed. <laughs> and she said, Connor, you're going to be a pastor one day. And I said, did you hear me? Did you hear anything that I just said? But she spoke into this upside-down moment in my life that day. And she said, actually, asking these questions is good. And it is a faithful thing. And there's times in Scripture where people do the exact same thing, and God says it is good. And as a matter of fact, God wants you to know that God is someone that you can lean against and ask hard questions, and you will be caught on the other side. And just like that, this fire in me was stoked again. And that same pastor continued to walk with me and join me in my journey with Christ for several years following this conversation, and I am grateful for her every day. She was there with me when I couldn't continue my journey alone.
When we talk about someone being there for you and walking with you in your journey, I'm betting everyone in this room remembers fondly a time when someone entered into their story during a low point when you needed them the most. Maybe it was like me in your early life when you were trying to figure out who you are and what you believe. Maybe it was someone that came and sat with you after the death of a loved one when you could not see beyond a wall of grief and pain and loss. Maybe it was someone who during the most difficult time in your life provided wisdom and a listening ear like a lighthouse in a storm. You had a Barnabas. You had a hero, someone who walked in when you were upside down and needed it the most. And we want to remember and celebrate those people today. As we approach the table today to receive Holy Communion, we are reminded that no one's faith can exist alone. We are reminded that we are all part of God's story, and we all stand in need of these wonderful, caring souls who enter into our stories when we need them the most. Our faith journey is never meant to be one that is walked alone. So as you receive God's grace today through this holy sacrament, I invite you to think of people like Barnabas, those wonderful guides who enter into our stories and walk with us at these key moments. And I want you to ask yourself, who have been those guides for me in the past? Who is guiding me now? And most importantly, whose story is the spirit prompting me to enter into that needs it the most. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks for your spirit. We give you thanks for those who are faithful witnesses to that spirit and listen to its urgings and enter into our death experiences, our upside-down times when we need them the most. We give you thanks for the grace that we experience in those moments, and we ask that you prompt us to be participants in that grace so that we can show others the light that you are spreading through the world. Amen.